described in Revelation 4. After this, I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like Jasper and Cornelian. And there and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox the third living creature with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand for our gospel reading, which Chris Stern will now bring to us. The Gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25, and it's from the Passion Version. Glory to you. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us get into the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. So they set sail, and soon Jesus fell asleep. But a fierce wind arose and became a violent squall and threatened to swamp their boat. Alarmed, the disciples woke Jesus up and said, Master, Master, we're sinking. Don't you care that we're going to drown? With great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and surging waves, and instantly they became calm. Then Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? Shocked, they said with amazement to one another, Who is this man who has authority over winds and waves? that they obey him. This is the gospel of Christ. 
Do please be seated. See if we can get the words right now. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here, and uh, welcome to those of you who are watching online. Just before I begin, shall we just pray? Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you for all the things that you do to sustain us. Thank you for keeping us safe over these last few days, Lord. And Father, we pray that this morning you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. Father, would you help us to appreciate your majesty? Would you help us to grow in faith and in love for you? For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today's reading speak to me of God's majesty and his power. And uh, how I think this should lead us into a position of thankfulness and worship. And also how seeing God at work actually can build our faith. Now the storms of recent days uh, have been a, a very helpful reminder in many ways to all of us of the power of nature and the power that God has ascribed to the winds and the waves. Uh, and that's especially true as I come to look at the disciples' response to the storm in Galilee. But you see, I think faith begins for many in things that we see around us. The beauty of creation, the amazing gift of life. There's nothing quite like the birth of a child to spark the wonder of creation, is there? Or to raise thoughts about God and to be amazed at what he's done. Similarly, actually, as we look around uh, as, as spring starts to, uh, to come forth, it's good to see the start of so much new life. And it's right on the back of that to give thanks and praise to our Creator God. I think the natural world actually tells us so much about our God. It speaks of variety and diversity, of imagination and innovation. We have a God who loves to create things and to make them different and amazing. And it's good to stop, actually, and to marvel at the beauty of the world we live in. The flowers, the trees... Also, the stunning views that we have within our own country, the sunrise, the sunset, they can all be beautiful and overwhelming. So, this spring, why don't we all try and just take a little bit longer to appreciate the wonders of our world, the wonders of the things that God has given us, the beauty all around us, and remember that it's our God. See, our God created it all, didn't he? And in many ways... I personally think it takes more faith to believe that it happened by accident than to believe that there is a mighty God behind it all, our God, behind the creation of all that is seen and unseen. You see, we see uh, the enormous power of the elements of the wind and the waves as we've, uh, as we've very much appreciated, haven't we, over the last few days. All showing how powerful they are and providing pointers to a power beyond ourselves that we still don't really understand. In fact, there's been discoveries even in the last week or so from scientists who believe they have new insights into the world and how it's created and moved. And those discoveries will go on until there is indeed a new heaven and a new earth created, as spoken about in Revelation then perhaps we can begin to appreciate the full majesty of all it is. No wonder, as we've read this morning, that the elders bow down and worship our God, 
and that they say in heaven, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And at the end of that Revelation passage, it closes with the words, You are worthy, our Lord God, to receive honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So creation can start to build an awareness of God. God the creator that we read about in our Bibles. It also prompts us to acknowledge God and all that he does. And our psalm that we all read together this morning mentions some of those things. By awesome deeds you deliver us, it says. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth. By your strength you establish mountains. You silence the roaring seas. And that ends up with the words, praise is due to you, O God. So that creation is the context for today's gospel focus on an event on the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus and the disciples set out on a boat trip, something I imagine they were familiar with. And Jesus was tired, not for the first time, working hard for the kingdom. And on this occasion... He went to sleep in the back of the boat. As I understand it, the weather can change very quickly and goes from blue skies and relative calm to dark clouds, high winds and raging seas very quickly. And these men, these disciples, many of whom were fishermen, knew the waters well and the conditions, and yet they were scared scared for their lives, that they were perishing, that they were drowning. Water was coming into the boat demonstrating the power of nature and also showing just how vulnerable we can all be when things get rough. Things were bad, but Jesus slept. He was, to all intents and purposes, both unaware and unconcerned. So the disciples woke him. Master, master, we're perishing, we're drowning. Clearly frightened for their very lives. Now, It's not exactly clear to me what the disciples were expecting Jesus to do. Maybe they were hoping that he would speak encouragingly to them and tell them it would all be okay or or suggest that maybe we'll just ride out the storm and we'll get there, don't worry. Because, you see, based on their reaction to what Jesus did, they cannot have been expecting what happened next. So Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the waves, and they were calm. Wow. The mighty forces of nature. Those forces that we saw over the weekend. Simply do as they're told. And are stilled. The disciples have never seen anything like it. They knew things could spring up quickly. Of course they did. But they also knew the signs well enough to know that that storm was ferocious. And they were in danger. But Jesus speaks and it all changes. As it always does when Jesus speaks. And they were amazed at his authority. Who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him, they say. This was actually an amazing, really kind of in-your-face, practical example of Jesus' power and authority. Now, of course, we know that it was Jesus, God's son. And the disciples, too, came to realize over time. But then, at that moment, this was a revelation, a real eye-opener. And I'm sure that this episode was an important part of convincing them who Jesus really was. 
But you get the sense that, in one respect, Jesus felt that the situation didn't need to arise at all. And he challenges the disciples' lack of faith. Why was that? Well, I expect there are many reasons, but I think they included the fact that Jesus had been with them that same day when he had healed many, many. Not, not just for a sore throat or a, a headache or, or, or a bad back. The disciples had seen him heal many from all sorts of different diseases. That included the centurion's son, where Jesus just spoke the word and his son at a distance was healed. It also included the um, raising of the widow's son at Nain. Resurrection. They had been with him for these and many of the previous miracles, including feeding the 5,000. They had seen his wisdom and his reliance on the Father, but they still doubted, didn't they? And it can be the same for us, can't it? We can still doubt. The disciples were still growing in their faith and trying to understand, trying to put it all together to make sense of what was going on. And we too are still growing in our faith. We may be at different places on that faith journey, but we still have to be open to God, to allow our experiences of God to shape and strengthen our faith. Our faith. We see the wonder of creation and understand that God the Father is incredible and has power beyond our wildest imagination. We have the Bible speaking to us of who Jesus is and about God's plan for redemption of mankind, of what Jesus has done and what Jesus has promised all of us. And we have our own experiences of Jesus in our lives, don't we? The walk of faith that we're each walking. The times when Jesus has revealed himself. Maybe we've seen miracles taking place in our own lives or the lives of those around us. Maybe others have shared stories or we've read about them. And if we haven't, well, maybe we haven't been pressing in to find out what God is doing in our world today. Or perhaps we haven't focused on what God has actually been doing in our own lives up to this point. It's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy to disregard what God has already done. But these experiences are important, important to our faith. I know myself the goodness of God, and so can you. I've seen him heal my daughter, heal my back. I've experienced answered prayers. I've seen people restored in this very congregation. I've seen people healed and those testifying to God's provision, to his healing, to his goodness, and his power at work in salvation, both in my own life and in the lives of many, many others, and all of us so unworthy. And Jesus can do the same for you. Indeed, I'd go so far as to say that Jesus wants to do the same and more for each of you. He is calling you, and he wants you for his own. He wants, you to, re- he wants to reveal himself to you for the first time, or maybe for the umpteenth time, actually. But we have to acknowledge him. We have to turn to him and to be open to him. Ask him afresh today. It's open to all of us. Ask him to be part of your life. Ask him to be the rock on which we want to build our lives. He knows you. He knows what you've been through. He knows everything about you. And he wants to be a party with everything that your life has. He wants to shape and direct that. I don't know about you, but I often 
I'm often struck by the wayward and forgetful nature of the Israelites. How often God showed up and did absolutely incredible things. And yet they forgot them. And they went on their own ways. And we can sometimes have the same tendency, can't we? We forget. We drift away. We're not actually that bothered. We're too busy. Life has got so many things going on, we really haven't got time for that. But you see, part of faith is about feeding our faith, appreciating how important that is to us. Faith can make an enormous difference to our lives. If we can remember the things that God has done, if we think back on those things and be encouraged by the way we've seen God operating, it helps. In Deuteronomy, it tells us that we should write these things on our doorposts and gates. It's good to learn verses from the Bible. It's good to keep a journal. Seek him personally with time dedicated just to him. And to seek him. Seek him on the internet, at conferences, at local events, in our services, as well as special events at home and away. We have the Band of Brothers weekend coming up that Bimby mentioned. And there's a similar event for the ladies in the summer. Both great opportunities to spend time reflecting on the goodness of God and having fun and discussion together. And the food is always good too. So why not take the step? Why not book up this week? It's a chance for the men to, sp- to see Mark Lavender again. So why not book that up? Also, Listen to other people's stories. Share your own experiences. Not just conversion testimonies, but stories about how Jesus has met you, how he sustained you, how he's healed you, what he did for you last week, what you're relying on for him. The things that God has revealed to you. These are fundamentals of our faith. And they should be part of our conversations with fellow believers as we seek to build each other up. But they're also part of those for those that are seeking or those with no personal faith. We can still share the things that matter to us. We can communicate the things that we live by, things that we believe in, things that are important to us. You see, the disciples lacked faith at the point of crisis. They panicked. And maybe that's something that we recognize in ourselves as well. Sometimes we panic. Fortunately, they turned to Jesus at that crisis point, and we can and should do exactly the same when we're out of our depth. The disciples also discovered, later in their walk with Jesus, that they too could participate in the amazing things that Jesus did, including miracles, life-changing, faith-building activities. And it's the same for us. As we trust in Jesus and see his power at work, we grow. Firstly, we grow when we cry out to him and he answers our prayers. Maybe not always in the ways that we absolutely expect, just like the disciples. But we grow when we trust in Jesus and when we trust in the promises that he's made. Things like, you will do these things and greater things. Ask and it shall be given. If we act on these things, then faith grows and we grow. As we pray for others and we see circumstances change, bodies repaired, hope ignited, then we all grow. Now before I leave this point about faith being built, 
It's worth, I think, reflecting on another reason I believe Jesus questioned the disciples' faith. Jesus had said at the outset that they were going to the other side of the lake. And the disciples had to learn that when Jesus said something, he spoke it into being and would provide all that was needed for its fulfillment. In Philippians 4.19, we read that God will provide all we need according to the riches in Christ Jesus. The disciples ignored what Jesus had said and therefore they rested on their own thoughts. And we can do the same. We can do it in everyday events when we ignore what Jesus has told us. Maybe things he's told us in his word. Go therefore and make disciples. Heal the sick. Love your neighbor. Pray for those who persecute you, etc., etc. All good points for guidance in our walk with God. But also when we sense a prompting from God or when he highlights something to us specifically, to do something or not to do something, to pray for someone or to go somewhere, if we don't follow through on that, we're doubting God. Maybe we're actually wantonly disobeying him. But we're not moving in faith. And this can lead to frustration and disappointment. Now, my comments about hearing from God come with all the sensible caveats about being clear and testing the word of God. But when you know that it's God that's spoken to you or prompted you to do something, you have to take that sensibly. If you know God has spoken to you, and I'm always struck when Bimbi talks about knowing it's God's voice because it's the voice he's heard before and God is faithful. When we know we should do something, we should do it. And if we find it hard, we should ask the Father to help us. We should always turn to God if we're unsure. But do seek the advice of others too. We travel together and God has made us in a community within our church that we can support and encourage each other. I find it encouraging in chapter 9, the next chapter on in Luke, chapter 9, where Jesus sends out the disciples to act in his name. He doesn't use their failure or lack of faith that we read about in the passages today as a reason to leave the disciples out. We might be tempted, mightn't we, personally or in business, to just concentrate on the people who do what they're supposed to do and that you can trust and they're reliable. But Jesus uses the same group who came up wanting and sends them out, and as we know, or you can read in this chapter 9 of Luke, they witness the power of God being released in many situations. I think we should really take heart and be encouraged by that. Jesus loves us and wants us. He wants to use us as part of his plan. It's the way that he's chosen to operate. He hasn't changed his mind. Just as the disciples were his hands and feet in the early church, we too are Jesus' hands and feet now. And he wants to use us. We may screw it up. We may forget. We make mistakes. But Jesus redeems us. And he perseveres with us. That we too might see the power of God in our world today. Now all this takes faith. But Jesus has done everything we need to allow that faith to grow. That we might become more and more useful to God and to our fellow travellers. We need to learn from this passage and from other interactions with God. That he is awesome. That he has chosen us and wants to work through us. 
that Jesus has shown the love of the Father and that his desire is to work with us. God has provided examples everywhere around us of his power and creativity. And we have the Bible. And we have our own experiences and the experiences of others. And of course, direct interventions from God that all point back to him. Don't ignore them. Gather these things greedily. Remember them. Look back on them. Write them down. Bring them to mind. Talk about them. That they may help build and guide our faith. That we may be everything that God desires us to be. Shall we just close with a prayer? Heavenly Father, you are amazing. But Lord, help us to appreciate your majesty and glory. Father, we give you thanks for the goodness of all the things that you provide, your beauty in creation. And we ask you to help us to give you the glory back for that. And we pray also that you'll build our faith and trust in you and your son Jesus, that we may walk in confidence with you and always turn to you for guidance and strength. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.